the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of Texas on this Saturday, May 13th, 2023. Got a lot of stuff for you, my friends. May 11th has come and gone, and the border is wide open. I mean, uh, they are being, people are being processed into the United States. They are not being prevented. They are not being stopped. They are not being interdicted. Nothing. They are, the people are walking in, introducing themselves, and then walking on in. On the other hand, we've got another bunch of people that do not want to go through, even through that process. And they are coming in through all sorts of parts of the, of, of the, uh, open border. Uh, there are attempts to stop those, to stop the fentanyl from coming in as well, but uh, it's all, I mean, we are being overwhelmed. That's all there is to it. The question is, how are we ever going to recover? How are we ever going to stop the illegal immigration? How are we going to reverse it? Is our country changed iris- <laughs> completely and totally, irreversibly? I mean, we, we need to understand uh, where we're at at this point, my friends. We are at a complete social chaos, chaotic, should I say, at a socially chaotic point in our history. And it's going to impact on our economics and it's going to impact on our uh, politics. Okay, so let me tell you real quick who we've got um, so we can jump into our show. We've got a show that was uh, uh, recorded on May 11th and uh, we've got folks who are residents, we've got folks who are experts, we've got folks who live on the border telling you what they are seeing on May 11th and what they anticipate in the following days. Our, uh, our uh, guests are Mr. Ron Kovach, who is uh, the press secretary for FAIR. He'll be starting it off uh, with his report from El Paso. Then we have Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson, who is also from uh, from El Paso. She is married to a border patrol agent, and uh, she will be telling you what they are wa- seeing in uh, her community. Then we have uh, Renee Nolasco. Renee is a resident of Uvalde, Texas, which is about a hundred miles from the border. But he's going to be telling you what is happening on his front porch, in his front yard. Uh, as as this uh, crisis unfolds, and then our final guest, our final guest is Mr. Frank Lopez, who is uh, a uh, former U.S. Border Patrol agent who does a blog. So, without further ado, my friends, let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy! Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of Texas, and we've got our good friend, Mr. Ron Kovach from uh, the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform from Fair. And he, uh, on this uh, Thursday, May the 11th, is down in El Paso, which has become uh, kind of an epicenter for the uh, immigrants waiting, for the migrants that are waiting to cross as soon as uh, Title 42 is lifted. So, um, uh, Ron, thank you for joining us. Tell us, what is going on? What are you, what are you seeing down there? 
Hey, George. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it is absolutely bananas in El Paso right now. There are so many people either on the streets and coming in. Both of them, it's absolutely wild, unlike anything I've seen before. So number one, I'll say that churches and homeless facilities, which are the main places which are really bearing the brunt of this crisis here in El Paso, because ultimately when people come across the border, they're, they're realistically homeless people. They don't have anywhere to go, don't have any food to eat, anything along those lines. So a lot of these churches and these homeless centers, you'll see lines for a block long of people who are just waiting outside trying to get some sort of assistance but a lot of these places are being overrun and honestly it, it's it, it's not great for the community from what I've been seeing and one example I'll give of this was we were in front of the Sacred Heart, Heart Church in El Paso um, and this church has really been one of the main sort of help facilities that has been going on in the city. Um, I think we probably talked about it a little bit before and anyways what this church, uh, what happened was when we pulled up there initially we ended up going and there was a garbage truck in front of the church and it, you know there were cops around and looked like they were cleaning up the scene and we asked them we said hey uh you know what what's going on here i thought that this was you know a camp you know or what, what what's the plant like why why were you guys cleaning it up and they end up telling us they said oh you guys must be new here we clean out a truckload of trash every single day from around this church because of all the people coming and dropping things around it that's just one example of just the overflow of people we have here now you know um we interviewed a, uh, a resident of uh, El Paso the other day uh, who was warning folks all over the United States that uh, what um, happens in uh, the border is, gonna, is not going to stay at the border. It's going to go into their neighborhood soon. Um, what are the residents of El Paso saying right now as far as um, the cost and the, uh, the amount of people coming in and uh, everything that's going on, I mean, the quality of life. Yeah, I, I think this could honestly be summed up. It, realistically, when we went to dinner last night, um, we ended up going to a restaurant. At the end of the meal, the uh, the waitress asked us, hey, have you been to El Paso before? One of us in our group has, so she asked, oh, you know, how was your trip, everything like that. We gave her an explanation, and then afterwards she said, sorry, it changed, and then walked away from the table. That's uh-huh. just a blatant example of exactly what all the El Paso residents are thinking right now. Wow. Is uh, on the other side, have you uh, had a chance to glance over what is happening on the other side of the river? Are there a lot of people congregating? There's a lot of people congregating, and that's something that we've done also is, you know, people are lining up along the border fence, but a lot of the portion here in El Paso where the border fence is, is it's a little bit on a hill. So you could see where the fence is, you could see it on a hill, but you can't really see over it. Uh-huh. Luckily enough, we had a drone with us on, for our, with our team, and we had a guy throw it up in the air because we saw a couple Border Patrol agents. We didn't know necessarily why they were sitting there. Once we get the drone up in the air, he looks down over the fence. We end up seeing 500 migrants on the other side of this fence. Wow, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and what what ended up happening was we saw we saw we decided to wait there for a little bit, and then all of a sudden the border patrol opens up the gate in the border fence, and they start loading people out into buses, and then they end up taking them to go get asylum papers. Um, and this is something that we thought that was just we ended up get, finding it when we went there in the middle of the night because it would be under the cover of night, everything like that. We were one of you know one film crew there, and then the very next day we go back to the same spot to see what's going on, put the drone up in the air the group doubled in size and now there's plenty of media cameras there and even bigger buses where there's opening the gate and loading them in wow the uh the catch and release policy that that is going on i mean there's no other way to describe it i mean people come in declare asylum and then they're released um is there any any discussion uh particularly in dc about changing that in any form or fashion to prevent the tsunami from happening I wish there was. Uh, the main thing that's going on in D.C. right now, the main discussion is the Secure the Border Act. That's a, the H.R. 2, and I believe that the, as time of taping right now, they should be voting on it today. Um, and what I'll say with that is inside of the bill is that they're working on things like more surveillance, building more border wall. This is a Republican package, so they're working on things, you know, more detention beds, things along those lines. But the real political football that's going on with H.R. 2 right now is over E-Verify. What that is, and I'm sure you know about this, your viewers have heard about this before, E-Verify essentially, you have to verify that you're a citizen of the United States to hold a job in the United States. With that being the case, that's one of the main magnets, which is the reason why El Paso, why Brownsville, why places along the border are having all these people line up, is because we don't have a form of E-Verify that's going to stop them from coming into our country and being economic asylum seekers. That's really what it is, is that a lot of these people, it's not family units that are coming, it's uh, teenagers, it's 20s, it's 
people who are coming for a job. Once we're able to get that E-Verify passed, it's going to be a lot, these crowds are going to be a lot smaller because they won't be able to get jobs here. And that's ultimately what they're talking about in D.C. right now and what they're talking about with the Secure the Border Act and why it hasn't been on the floor yet. The, um, uh, the Border Patrol, have you had a chance to speak to any of the agents and find out? I haven't had a chance to speak to any of the agents because a lot of the time we're filming them doing their jobs. So once we, you know, walk up to them and say, hey, what's going on? They, they, they kind of stand off a little bit. No, no shade against them. Obviously, they're doing their job. Um, but we haven't had a chance to talk to them much. But what I will say is that they've, they, they've been working hard. They've been trying to do what they could do. But, you know, they're, they're sort of hamstrung by the policies that they have is that they open the gates and let people in and make sure it's an orderly line going to the buses. And on top of that, I'll also say we have seen some of the, I believe we talked about it before, those uh, military members that, uh, or the military people that uh, Joe Biden sent down to the border. Um, we saw some troops down there when we went, and they were simply just helping with processing. Wow. What about uh, the local police officers as well as um, local health issues? Yeah, of course. Well, I'll tell you, you know, just walking around that church that I was talking about where there's just a lot of people, um, you know, every five people or so, they're coughing, they're sneezing, everything. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of diseases around there. Um, that they're, You know, when everyone's coming across the border, they're bringing along what they bring with it. A lot of these countries that people are coming from, they don't have the same vaccination requirements that the United States does. I've heard things like polio, stuff like that are being brought up across the border, things along those lines. Obviously not something you can necessarily see with your own eyes, but you can definitely see a few sick people that are coming through. Wow. Is, um, uh, do they anticipate, I mean, I, I would imagine they do, things just getting worse tomorrow. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, because, you know, 1159 tonight, uh, Title 42 is going to go away. And, you know, you, you, you see the footage from Brownsville, you see the footage from California. A lot of these places, they're, they're training up the Border Patrol officers on how to make sure you're putting your riot shields together to make sure you can stop an inflow of a lot of people at once. Because once uh, midnight comes tonight, I mean, there's, there's really no saying because they don't have the same authority that they once did to turn people away. Right. So, bottom line, what... What is the suggestion that the Federation for American Immigration Reform has? What's your recommendation as an organization for the government? Yeah, the number one thing we're looking at right now is we've worked hand in hand with not only the Republicans in the House of Representatives, but we've also had a coalition of 16 different uh, like-minded groups, things Think Heritage, Texas Public Policy Foundation, stuff like that. All of us have come together to work with the Republicans in the House to make sure that we are writing legislation which is going to help fix this. And that's why I talked about E-Verify before, because that's something that's crucial to make sure that is inside of this legislation to make sure that we're able to have some way to turn this spigot off. And that's what we're doing. That's the legislation that really needs to be keyed in on and what FAIR is focused on is making sure we're getting this Border Security Act passed because at the very least, if Biden has to veto it, we know what side he's actually on and he's putting he's putting his name down on paper with that. Yeah, because uh, uh, the spokesperson, his press secretary, uh, uh, Jean, Jean-Pierre, was, uh, I mean, she's been adamant the past couple of days that uh, it's the Republicans' fault that uh, the border is in a crisis. Yeah, I mean, you know, I will say we do wish that they were able to really push this along. It shouldn't be a political football item, this E-Verify. They should be, other ones should be on the side of stronger security and wanting to end this issue. Um, and unfortunately, they haven't been able to come to an agreement to get it on the floor yet. But, you know, we're hoping they're going to be able to come together and pull something together. I mean, honestly, both sides are really failing in this right now. Wow. Thank you very, very much, folks. We've been talking to the press secretary for... Uh, for the America, for the Federation for American Immigration Reform and Fair in Washington D.C., Mr. Ron Kolach. Uh Thanks a lot, Ron. Stay safe down there, buddy. Of course, of course. And if anyone wants to see any footage of any of the stuff I was talking about today, oh, yes. feel free to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at F- Fair on Facebook, and then at Fair Immigration on Twitter. If you have listeners who are on Instagram, we're also Fair Immigration on Instagram. You'll see a bunch of videos. Um, you'll see the drone footage from I was talking about from the previous night. You'll see it from people coming across the border, and you'll also get a first-hand perspective of what's going on at Sacred Heart. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson, who is uh, the president and founder of the Border Security Coalition in El Paso. And she's talking to us from El Paso. Uh, I wanted to talk to her and ask her, what are things looking like right now on this Thursday, May 11th? in uh in uh, El Paso I mean they've been at the 
at the heart of a lot of the problems with the border uh, in the past few months. Irene, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to, uh, to be with us. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you, George. Uh, tell us, Irene, what's it like? What What is it looking like for uh, uh, El Paso right now with the um, with the lifting of uh, <laughs> of uh, Title Forty Two this today this evening, as well as um, what do you anticipate happening? Well, what we have seen, and it's been happening for maybe about a week and a half, we started seeing an increase of illegal aliens, of course, surrounding the church that is so infamous now, Sacred Heart. And um, they're, depending on what time of the day you go, they're either laying down and they're one right next to the other. The problem is, is that there is an enormous amount of trash that comes along with all of this. If you go down there, it smells disgusting. I've been uh, filming from that area almost every day. Yesterday, we had a, a slam um, schedule as we do today. But I did find out this morning that a lot of the illegals are gone from there. Now, where are they? I would not be able to tell you that. But I can tell you that there is flights going out from um, a private hangar here in El Paso, Texas, uh, a few, uh, maybe about a mile from where I live, which is very close to the airport. And I don't know where these flights are going because they're being sent to be processed at different areas. There was a document that was circulating in this area, which um, hit the social media pretty hard where basically the people are being instructed that if they didn't turn themselves into border patrol to find the local border patrol processing center and turn themselves in to be able to be processed the problem is not the processing part and remember that there's what 1500 national guards that are being sent to the border to help the process the problem is that we are not um, enforcing the laws, our immigration laws, and these people are not being vetted properly. We have been saying that from day one. The border communities, you're right, are being hit the, the hardest because the resources that are, the initial resources are coming out of the taxpayer money, I mean taxpayer pockets. And remember that the border communities are some of the poorest, low-income communities and in the entire um, country. Our medium income here in El Paso is 48000 We've had the, the Democrats control El Paso for over 60 years, and all they've left us with is high taxes and low-paying wages. So then somebody's going to pay that bill. And like I tell everybody, there's no such thing as government funding, whether it's local, state, or national. We, the taxpayers, are paying um, for everything. So when you hear people saying we're getting uh, federal money, it's still the same resource, us, the taxpayers. So what we see here and what we are have been seeing for about a week and a half is just an influx, especially of uh, men being released down to the downtown area where the taxpayers that live within the vicinity of this church are really being held hostage in their own properties because they're afraid to go out. Does it affect, is it affecting the businesses in that area? Absolutely it is. Um, what's happening is they're sleeping right at the door. The ones, the businesses that love this happening, and I spoke to one of the owners of one of these businesses, is a is a business where they're making copies and where they're printing documents <laughs> and uh and then but the and the grocery store because they're coming in and buying uh things from them as a matter of fact and if anybody goes to my instagram and my instagram is border security coalition irene um it, it's all together border security coalition irene i-r-e-n-e you see a, a video that i filmed last week where i discovered where in between one of the grocery stores and the back side of the church in this dark little alley um you have the illegals actually with extension cords through a fence through a fence charging other illegals to charge the phones where do the phones come from from us from the taxpayer and you go down there and all you see everybody is they they look almost like a regular american teenager because they're stuck on their phones those that have children which are very few their kids are pretty much on their own and the parents are looking straight at the phone but yeah they're they're charging and then i went another time and i asked them who gave you permission to 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 plug in your extension cords and they told me the people that own the grocery store so people that are here are actually 
using these opportunities to sell, even to be able to plug in a phone and making money off of that. So then you have other business owners that are tired because these people are defecating right in front of their door. There's a ton of porta potties. There's in front of the church and on the side of the church. So what necessity is there for these people to be defecating on the streets? But you got to remember, these people don't come with the same cultural uh, and, um, background that we Americans have. And so, and I'll tell you just a, a very blunt story. When my husband was still active in the Border Patrol, and we, this was under the Trump administration, and the station that he was in, they had, uh, they were taking all the unaccompanied minors. And my husband told me, I said, he said, you know, we have these these kids that are actually defecating next to the toilet because they don't know how to use a toilet. Wow. And so the reality is as harsh as it may seem, and I know that the left uses it and calls us immoral and uncompassionate and racist. The reality is, is all this is bringing such a high level of a health hazard to our own American citizens. What about our children? These, this church is a few, maybe a mile, a mile and a half to an elementary school. And you're going to tell me that uh, 19-year-olds to 25-year-old men um, who haven't been vetted all have good intentions. We are basically serving our children and our youth on a silver platter to these people to be victimized. Oh, it is. You know, um, we have been talking a lot about the uh, the border issue in terms of people crossing. But now they are here and uh, they're going to impact on the communities. We're seeing how New York is freaking out. Chicago is freaking out over over 31 that arrived. Um, uh -huh. Do you what would you tell the rest of American communities right now about what you are experiencing there? Well, you know, there's a famous saying in Las Vegas, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. And I will tell the American public that what begins on the border does not stay at the border. <laughs> so all, all these people are not going to stay here. And I talk to them and I ask them, do they, well, first of all, they ask me if I can help them with um, money to go wherever they need to go. And I'm like, oh, so you don't want to stay here. They don't want to stay in the border communities. Why? Because we're poor communities. Exactly. We're poor <laughs> communities. And so the reality is that these very lucrative, uh, with a lot of money, uh, cities, Chicago, L.A., um, San Francisco, uh, Dallas, San Antonio, all these cities that have a lot of money that's where they want to go they don't want to stay here and so the reality is is if you don't stop it at the border it's going to come to an elementary near you and for those of you that have young children and uh, that are still in the school age your taxes are the ones that pay for the education and salaries and buildings and everything that has to do with your your children's education and these people who do not know the language are going to actually explode the numbers of people in the classroom. If you think the ratio of student for teachers is high now, you just wait. Why is that? Because we have a case at the Supreme Court that has been decided for decades where you can ask, cannot ask somebody for their legal status in order to allow them into the public schools. And this may be an awakening where a lot of law, George, that has been in our books for decades can actually go back and be seen, just like Roe v. Wade was overturned. Why can not can we not all start addressing these things where if you're not uh, legally here, you, the, the Constitution does not say that you have the right to an education. You have not paid your fair share. So what gives you the right to receive these um, th these uh, services from that are being paid by the taxpayer? And I know, I know no politician is going to dare to touch that conversation. Uh. But that's why people <laughs> like you and me are here to we've sound got, the yeah, alarm. We've got to and, speak and up. Say, That's right. <laughs> yeah, and say, this is not right. This is not fair. I had a lady two days ago. There was a maybe a one-and-a-half-year-old laying on the ground, and I said, whose child is this? And I said it in Spanish. 
and she she yelled back at me and she said that's my child and I don't want you to film him and and I said you know I'm not filming him and really I was concerned because there was no adult near them and then she said she started yelling at me again and I yelled back and I yelled back in Spanish and I said this is my country you're not going to come and tell me what to do in my own country and she said well, did you buy it? And I said, absolutely, I did. My taxes pay for it. <laughs> and I said, and if you don't like it, go back to your country. And all this was on film. And I can't get the, the enormous, they try to slam me on social media, but the people that um, heard it, many of them started saying, she said out loud what the rest of us are thinking. Exactly. So <laughs> the politicians are not going to say it, George. Nope, they're but, not. They're not. It's politically are. incorrect, and we, we can't we can't be quiet anymore. We cannot be no told. more. No more. No more. We're victimizing our own families. Yep, that's right. Irene, we need to let you go, but this is fantastic. We got to get you back on. Uh, let's see if we can try to get you on next week again, and you can give us an update of what is happening. Because sure. one thing is, you know, what's happening right now. Tonight at midnight, May twelfth, uh, when uh, the, uh, the uh, Title Forty Two ends. Uh, it, it, I mean, uh, heaven knows what's going to happen. Heaven only knows what's going to happen. Yes, we're in the unknowns. Yep. But remember, let's just remember, never in the Constitution or our founding documents did our forefathers ever envision that one man in the entire country with a signature, a drop of a pin, would be able to hold the rest of the country hostage. That's right. So we need to, we need to as Americans, get involved. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Miss uh, Irene Armendariz Jackson from El Paso. She is president of Border Border Security Coalition. Check her out on Instagram and uh, on social media. Thank you very, very much, Irene. Have a good one. Thank you, George. God bless you. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on this Tuesday, May the 9th. And we have uh, a, uh, well, I consider him a good friend, Mr. Rene Nolasco, who is uh, a resident of Uvalde. And I wanted to get him on here because, my friends, the uh, with a couple of days to go before the lifting of the Title 42 uh, restrictions, uh, the, um, the atmosphere, the uh, environment on the uh, border, near the border, along the border, is uh, really, really getting chaotic. And it's not only at, impacting uh, on the border, my friends, it's impacting communities away from the border. It's what I call the second phase. And I wanted to get... Um, Renee on here to talk about an incident that occurred on his property uh, on Monday, as well as uh, another incident that occurred not too long ago. Renee, thank you for taking time to be with us. Tell us about the incident that occurred yesterday, first of all. Uh, well, thank you, George, for having me on, on your show again. Uh, yesterday afternoon, like around three o'clock, my son-in-law sent me a, a, a picture on on my, on my phone, and I was trying to make it out. I said, that's our property and the, on the picture that he sent me was some illegals being escorted by an agent on our property which is our property is only about a mile and a half outside the city limits on FM 140 and it's also known as the old Pierce, Pearsall Road and I said oh, let me go let me go out there and check this out and by the time I got there when I got there they had uh, detained they had uh, what happened was uh, PD had uh had a pursuit a, a vehicle outside the city limits and outside, so which is out of the jurisdiction. So they finally, people, uh, the driver was carrying like ten illegals in the in the back. It was a truck, back of the truck, and they started jumping out of the car, uh, the vehicles, and several of them ended on my property. So there was a chase, like jackrabbits and some uh, and a. And a and a fox chasing them in our backyard. <laughs> and they were just running all over the place. My son-in-law had just gone over there just to, to take a break from work. And uh, and uh, uh, 
they they caught three of them. The rest of them are just they're just running all over the place. And uh, I got there, and uh, uh, when I got there, my son-in-law says, "There's another one that went out there by himself uh, uh, at my neighbor's property, and we have a riverbed that runs behind our property, which makes it a good getaway for these guys. They can go up and down that riverbed and and hide." And uh, I went out there and I started filming when I when I, when we uh, got there. I got there. I went out to the highway because that's where the police department was and uh, I started filming them and they had like close to 10 individuals on the ground and uh, I, I tried to get as close as I could and then I was signaled to, to stay away uh, so I ended my video and I sent I sent you that video and I'm sure people and I, I, I made it public to a bunch of people there but mind you this is not the first time that this has happened over there on a, on a, at our property itself at our property, we've had it about. We've had this incident happen like three times already. Uh, about three, about six months ago, we had another incident. My son lives in that house also. And called me at five o'clock in the morning, and somebody had gone into our ranch gate, and his house is right next to the gate, close to the gate, they're like thirty feet. Individuals went through the gate, damaged my property, and then uh, the driver took off, and the. The, the passengers were all illegals from Honduras. Wow. And uh, so we're out there uh, at 5 o'clock in the morning, disrupts our day. You know, uh, the whole day is ruined for people when something like this happens. Now, how often does something like this, how long has it been, ha- how often has it been happening lately, particularly with the uh, border uh, getting ready to open up so much with the 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 Title 42 being removed. Has this become a much more frequent situation? It's it's getting a little more exciting. I'm going to put it to you that way. It's been a daily occurrence for the last two years or so. Daily. 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 Wow. And as I'm speaking, they're probably chasing somebody right now. Wow. They're chasing, there are several chases. Uh, I, I had, uh, there was an incident this weekend, just this weekend, this vehicle passed me, and it was going pretty fast. It was right before I got to Sabinal. And uh, I, I, know, I said, you know what? I'm the, I saw the individuals in there, no plates on the front. They were speeding. I called the police department right before I got to, uh, to Sabinal, and I gave them a description of the vehicle. And luckily, there was a, uh, uh, a police officer on the east side of Sabinal. So this guy had was going through, so fast through uh, Sabinal, that he beat me, and he was, he, he got stopped. They pulled him over, and I turned my scanner off, and the police reports, I have five undocumented in this vehicle. Wow. So it's, it's you know, you don't, well, what people don't realize is how many are just getting away. Correct, right. Yeah, that's it, that's and it. And this is what's happening. Just during the day at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Morning. Morning. So. Incredible. Let me ask you because uh, I mean, people don't understand that. Um, you know, we watch the pictures of people coming across the border. However, once they're across the border, they impact on all our communities. I mean, a chase is very, di- very dangerous uh, to uh, folks that are driving. You know, down the down the street, to citizens that are driving down the street. Correct. Yes, sir. Mm. What about uh, what about criminals? I mean, you were tell me about this incident with uh with uh, a guy that um, that was picked up and then later up picked up in Dallas. Okay, that one was uh in the Dallas area. Um ended up this there's uh, the story was my son-in-law called me up about and uh, he said there was he said you don't believe what happened. And I said no, what happened? He said I, I was working from home. My daughter had gone to work. Dropped the kids uh, and uh, dropped the kids off at school, and a couple of hours later, uh, my son-in-law heard the back door open at their house, and he called out my daughter's name to verify that it was her that had come back, and she wouldn't answer. She, so he said, "I'll better go check this out." When he went to check uh, the kitchen where the door back door was, there was a man standing inside their kitchen. Uh, so he. Ran him out, called the police. They picked him up two, uh, two blocks away from the house. Then he got arrested, and a couple of days later, they called Uvalde County, 
and they wanted to ask some questions about an individual that was caught in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it was confirmed that that individual that was at my daughter's house had been uh, booked at the Uvalde County Jail, and he had been in a knife fight. This guy was a vicious criminal, got in a knife fight, he had wounds to the side, and he was taken to the hospital to get to get uh, you know to get looked at, and we all uh, taxpayers end up paying for this. Wow. So, so they, what happened was they they got out. He got out of the hospital, and the jail called the uh, called border patrol and ICE, and I said we we don't want him. Border patrol said we don't want him. Just let him go. Wow. So you know, here's the criminal that just been in a knife fight and been at my daughter's house. Well, anyway, what happened was this guy, after he, he was released from New Valley County Jail, uh, ended, up, ended up going to Canepa, which is east of here, 10 miles away, and broke into a house there. And they know that because of his fingerprints. And then from there, he broke into another house in Sabinal. And he ended up, uh, uh, left fingerprints there, and then ends up at my daughter's house in the Fort Worth area, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Wow, I mean, this is this is insane. The um, the border unsecure, people coming in, and uh, and criminals endangering us. Not only uh, violating our private property, but um, uh, endangering us. I mean, actual criminals who um, who could kill us. Yeah, uh, this guy, uh, uh, let people know that this guy traveled three hundred and fifty miles plus from one location to to the other one, and was committing crimes the entire way up there. Oh, jeez. Incredible. That is that is outrageous. It is absolutely outrageous. Renee, uh, how long have you been a, uh, a, a resident of Uvalde? Or, I've been here since 1969, and I've never seen anything never like seen it. Never seen anything like it, yeah. yeah. No, sir. Never. Uh, it, My it, neighbor down the street also uh, had his house broken into, and there was an illegal. His daughter, he, when uh, his daughter, his daughter, teenage daughter, walked into the house, uh, there was an illegal in her bedroom, and she ran out, and uh, he ran out. He got scared, and they called law enforcement. The father comes over, and he's telling me the whole story, and he had been shuffling through her drawers in her bedroom. Wow. This is here in Uvalde. This is it, it's happening every day. And, and Uvalde, it's not going to end. It's going to get worse. And for people that don't think it's, it's going to affect them, it's going to affect it's get, you. Yeah, it's coming to their backyard. It's, it's going to affect you. It is. It is. And we are seeing, you know, we're seeing the mayors of New York already screaming and yelling and other mayors uh, in the surrounding well, the suburbs. Well, that, that are opening the doors for them. <laughs> and then suddenly they, they're, they're worried about the both, number. You can't have it both ways. Incredible. It really is. Renee, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. Folks, we've been speaking with my good friend, Renee Nolasco, from, uh, from Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde County, I guess. You're, in, you're yeah, in the county? Uvalde County, Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde County, Texas. You stay safe, Renee, and we'll get you back on the show again to talk to us about, give us an update about what's happening in your neighborhood. All righty? We'll do that, sir. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, our good friend, uh, Mr. Frank Lopez, who is a former Border Patrol agent uh, down here in the the, uh, South Texas area. Uh, He has his own uh, uh, podcast and and blog, and um, he follows exactly what is going on at the border, my friends, to the detail. So I wanted to get him on it and ask him what's going on today on the eve of uh, Title 42 being lifted. Frank, thank you for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show. Tell us, what is going on? Hey, George. Thanks for having me here. So I'm I'm down here in Del Rio, uh, 150 miles west of San Antonio on the U.S.-Mexico border. And uh, so uh, earlier today... previous days just been kind of driving around and looking at hot spots you may recall last year a couple years ago the haitians were were crossing uh in in record numbers here so what i've seen is uh, the national guard uh placement uh, along what i call crossing points on the u.s side 
of the border. So we see that they're being augmented a little bit. Like, for instance, one day, uh, this one place this morning I stopped by, normally maybe there's a, there's a couple of vehicles there. Today there was a van, and there, there were about three other vehicles. And um, at another point, there was a heightened presence of Border Patrol there because uh, the National Guard had called in one person and the local sheriff came uh, came by to pick him up the deputy but then some other p- people crossed the fence and so all of a sudden there were about three or four border patrol units so so they're they're waiting for traffic to amp up uh, I do see also uh, along the segments of Trump wall that exist here in Del Rio the, this, this was put in by Trump uh, before Biden stopped building but uh, along segments of the wall, I see DPS uh, black and white units are parked there. And I hadn't seen that in a while. I'd seen a patrol, but I had not seen stationed along the fence, the wall. And um, what, so that's that's the situation today. I also, well, yesterday, I, I went by one of the NGOs and filmed for a little while as the NGOs are, the, the, the one here in Del Rio, a non government organization is picking up uh, with, with the traffic. There, there's uh, there's more people hanging around and more buses uh, leaving uh, the area there. And, and it had kind of uh, slowed down a little bit. And part of that, George, is because uh, Eagle Pass, 50 miles downriver from Del Rio, had become the processing hub for this area. They have tremendous infrastructure down in Eagle Pass to uh, maximize and optimize the flow of people into the country. So it's like I figured, and this goes to what we can expect. So as more people start crossing, the primary processing point, which is Eagle Pass, will will, will start backfilling. And so then places like Carrizo Springs, Dorio, Comstock, within the Dorio sector, will not be able to send the illegal aliens down Eagle Pass. They'll have to process them either at Del Rio or at their respective stations. Uh, and and so then there'll come a point, I believe, uh, if, if, if Del Rio should, should start seeing a, a massive increase like what they're seeing already in the Rio Grande Valley or El Paso, what would happen then, if, uh, the capacity uh, is just too much for the processing center the non-government organizations cannot get them out fast enough. And as we're watching all over the place being reported, the Border Patrol Chief, Raul Ortiz, has a, has issued a memorandum saying that uh, these people will be released into the communities without even an alien number. Wow. And that's a big, that's a, that's a big deal there, George, wow. because I know you work, you work with <laughs> INS. Uh, any person... Yeah, any person that comes into the country, illegal or not, is issued an alien number. So what the chief of the Border Patrol, this was reported on Fox News, I just saw it not more than five minutes ago, right before you called me. They will be released into the communities without an alien registration number. That That is insanity. And and, and also, uh, with the, the, they'll be issued a letter that says... Uh, turn yourself into ice within 60 days. Sure. And, and so, and, and of course, uh, ice, yeah, sure, right? And of course, ice doesn't even have the capacity for that, let alone uh, any kind of, you know, expectation that these people would want to voluntarily turn themselves down once they're in the country. That's outrageous. So if, if a person doesn't have any ID that they are an alien, then they are yeah. going to be able to blend into the, to the U.S. population very easily. I mean, anybody can give yeah. them. I mean, there are states that are giving out illegal aliens uh, uh, driver's licenses already. So, getting getting any anything that a citizen gets is going to be yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. So, in the past, George, what would happen is, uh, you know, when a person was apprehended by border patrol for entering illegally, or when a person was trying to legally enter the country, they would get an alien uh, number, an alien registration number. Yep. And and the ones that didn't have alien registration numbers were the gotaways, the illegal aliens that managed to sneak by, and and those are the ones that went into the interior. Well, not, and so so we constantly I remember I was a, a border patrol agent for thirty years. We were constantly trying to catch people. Uh, some were you know returned voluntarily, some were uh, prosecuted, uh, but. Uh, now, in essence, George, the magnitude of this is 
the United States governor, uh, government is letting people into our country uh, walk in. Uh, and, and, it's a, and it's just a semblance of doing something. They're giving them a sheet of paper uh, just saying, turn yourselves in. A pretend. After six, yep, it's just pretend. Oh, and um, and what's, been, what's been really sickening, George, is to watch these press conferences and White House briefings with Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of DHS, uh, who says, you know, what we're doing is working. Yeah, and right. of course, yeah, you know, in, in his... In his mind, yeah, they, they, they're they're achieving remarkable success at what they are doing, which is flooding our the country. Biggest, <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and uh, that's what they're doing, man. They're just playing with words uh, because they know that that some portions of the population are going to believe them, uh, but 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 they're boldly, blatantly lying, misdirecting, misleading the American people, man. Yeah. Uh, and it's disgusting. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Frank, because what people, I mean, people have been watching what is happening at the border. People are watching all these people come in. However, what happens after the NGOs pick them up, after these nonprofits pick them up and deliver them for processing and after they are released? Okay, let's let's tell the people what is going to happen to them. Uh, what's going to happen to communities when all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people start being released into their community. I mean, look at New York, yeah. look at Chicago. They're screaming already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, just in this last segment here, uh, as I was waiting you know, for your phone call, uh, there's a county up in New York State. I think I believe it's Rockwall County. They have filed a restraining order on the city of, on the city of New York Jeez. from releasing people into their community. So, so there's communities that are saying we don't want them, and it's not just it, you know, George. It's not out of any kind of hate. It's just look, we can barely take care of our own people. Exactly. How 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 are we going to handle? With the rest of the world coming in, with all their medical history, all their their baggage, their children, you know their 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 medical issues, uh, educational issues, it is such a tremendous burden on the existing processes we have, which is supposed to be for Americans, man. You know, um, let, let let these other nations take care of their own. And my God, we have spent hundreds of billions of dollars in, in foreign aid right. for decades for decades now but uh it, it's it's this administration has certainly ramped up part of a larger broader agenda to weaken america and, and what we're seeing uh, is is a very visible portion of their plan george but uh, they're, they're working on several different fronts it's not just about the border invasion uh, it's economic it's educational it's in our culture but uh, uh, Americans need to wake up. Uh, Americans need to prepare. And uh, you know, there's there's people out there like like myself. There's others up and down this border that are trying to uh, broadcast, you know, show live footage of what's happening. Because e even right now, George, there's people that still don't believe what's yeah, happening that's down there. True. Here. True. That's very true. You know, I get I get letters every yeah. day about that. <laughs> yeah, but 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 yeah, you know they. They'll, they'll be walking the streets here, and eventually, you know, their goal, their aim is to get into the interior of their country, whether it's San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, or further into the country. Uh, they, they go connect with family, with friends. Uh, they, they, they form little enclaves, per se. And, and then uh, that's where the fragment, fragment, uh, fragmenting and, and division will grow even more visible and, and more wider in our in our country. That's true. And and uh, part of the naturalization process, part of the orderly immigration process, was so that we could maintain some level of of, of, of supervision of, of control over the, the the civics assimilation of people right. into our country. You know, teaching them unity. civics, some type of national yes. unity. Yeah, exactly. And and, 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 and by and, and I'll give you a real quick example of something. I don't know if you heard about it, but the, the, there were a couple of incidents in El Paso, uh, violence uh, from, uh, in this case, it was a group of Venezuelan males. They were they threw rocks at Border Patrol, and 
one of those males hit a border patrol agent, struck him with a flagpole, which which was uh, tearing the Venezuelan flag. So border patrol deployed uh, pepper balls, you know, with a with a with the uh, pepper spray, but in like little paintballs. Yeah. Uh, and, but but the, the what stands out to me, George, is that look, they're they're wanting to come to America, but yet they're doing it in a way in which they are demanding. Correct. They're de- they're demanding entry, and they are quick to become aggressive. In this case, violent, and 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 if they, and if they're being this aggressive about just you know trying to get into the country, imagine when they get to these communities, exactly. Uh, and there's a la- there's a language barrier. They can't find jobs. They don't have a means of mobility. Uh, they're they're scrounging, just trying to feed themselves. Uh, that that causes people to become desperate, and desperate people do desperate things. Exactly. That's exactly right. Frank, we need to let you go, but uh, tell the folks yes. how they can follow you, where they can follow you. Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook, Frank Lopez Jr., U.S. Border Patriot, or uh, YouTube, Frank Lopez Jr., U.S. Border Patriot, and on the web at usborderpatriot.com, usborderpatriot.com. You got it, buddy. Thank you very Thank you, much. We've been, we've been talking with our good friend, Mr. Frank Lopez, down in Del Rio on the border. Stay safe, Frank. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Take care, George. Mm-hmm. Once again, my friends, thank you very much for being with us today. I want to thank uh, our guests, Ron Kovach from FAIR, Irene Armendariz Jackson from El Paso's uh, Border Security Coalition, uh, Rene Nolasco, uh, my good friend and uh, resident in Uvalde, and Frank Lopez, another very, very good friend uh, from Del Rio. Um, we uh, want to encourage you, my friends, to please, please, please support us. Find out about... Uh, uh, advertising on our show through our uh, through our KLUP uh, 9:30 a.m. office here in San Antonio, and uh, if you're interested in donating tax-free, uh, please contact uh, or please send your contributions, your donations to He's Alive Ministries at 6430 Green Apple Drive in San Antonio, Texas 78232. Once again. Tax-free donations to He's Alive Ministries at 6430 Green Apple Drive, San Antonio, Texas, 78233. Thank you very much for being with us, my friends. Please continue to support us. We tell you what the mainstream media is not telling you about what is happening at the border. We tell you, my friends. We bring it directly to you. So uh, I hope that you will join us. I hope you will continue talking to your friends, telling your friends about our show. We need to spread the word, my friends, because it's only going to get worse. It's coming to your backyard now. These folks are going to be all resettling in your communities. So you need to be prepared. So without further ado, until next week, my friends, stay strong. Pray for our country. Pray for your family. Pray for our safety. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you very much. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.